Welcome to my super type A attempt at being Zen, the podcast. My name is Risha York, and I will be your host. If you are overworked, overtired, overstretched, overwhelmed, just over it, you are in the right place. We like to say we are currently working towards Zen-ish. I'm thrilled that you've joined us. Let's see who will be supporting us on our path to Zen today. Welcome back to part two with Nina Purewall. Let's hop right in and listen to all the wonderful things she has to share with us. Um, and it's, I was having this conversation with my son yesterday. He's seven. And uh, he said, um, what's that mean? He came in the door singing this song. You know, that song from Dirty Heads Vacation. Have you ever heard it? No. <laughs> it's like my theme song. Um, I sing it all the time. It goes okay. like, uh, 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 I'm on vacation every single day. Cause I love my occupation. Oh, it might be my it, new song. I love that. It's really good. Yeah. So I sing it all the time to myself because I feel so grateful to be able to do the work that I'm doing. It's so fulfilling and I love it so much. And it took a while to find my place here, but Everything I did leading up to this point contributed to getting to me this, this job doing this work, right? So I'm grateful for all of it, whether it served me at the time or not is a different conversation, but it all led me here. And I'm so grateful for it. And I said to my son yesterday, that's, that's the secret is to find something you want to do with your time on a regular basis that you are passionate and excited about you want to get out of bed every day and go and do that thing and you can't wait to do it and he was like oh well then I'm totally gonna be a skateboarder and I was like okay okay (laughs) yeah my daughter is gonna be the next Taylor Swift apparently so um but you know there's a lot of people that don't believe that that don't believe that and I, I there's a Stephen Covey book written many, 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 many years ago, but he said, you know, if you're the three, the the perfect trifecta is if you are passionate about it, there's a societal need and you love doing it. Yeah. If those three things align, you know, you're, you're laughing and yes, it's baby steps. It's not good. You're not going to go to zero to 60 real quick. It's going to take time to get there, but there is a way to do what you're passionate about and sustain yourself and there's practicality you know the first few years it was like I had to have some talks with my partner okay I'm not going to be making this much for yeah you know, that's how it works you know but and, and and we live in a world like it's not the 80s and 90s anymore where it's like yeah you go to work and it's nine to five and we live in our people are making money doing all kind of being influencers like yeah. content creation like this passion that there's all kinds of things out there and I especially the corporate type a's that's the biggest thing I remember thinking, well, not the biggest, but like when it comes to work and, 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 and the corporate sector is when I came back from the ashram, I thought there is a t- entire world of careers. Yes. 
why do we think, you know, we go to business school and then we have the nine to five desk job. No, there's so many things we can do. And all of my years in corporate served me so well. I don't regret yes. it. I liked what I did. You know, I, I love what I do Same. now, I, I love yeah. them, but I love what I do now. Um, but there's so much opportunity and we have to give ourselves the chance to do what we love because life is short and yeah. you never know. And, and when you do that, the way you're impacting people, you know, it's just, it's so fulfilling. And I feel like that corporate space gave me some credibility when I came to my own personal space where it was like, okay, I've done this. Like I used to be a corporate um, sales and leadership coach. So uh, there you go. <laughs> there you go. That makes sense. <laughs> so um, for the largest IT company in Canada, second largest in North America. So I'm, you know, when I read your book, your and Kate's book, I was, I was like, I relate to this so much. I, that makes sense. I have been in this space. I understand what they're talking about. And it's funny because it's also the inspiration for what I do now, you know, like in an IT male centric space. I witnessed many women get spoken over, seen oh. and not heard, pushed to the back of the boardroom, not elevated, not supported. Not, and I don't even know if it was intentional or just societal, but I was not okay with it. And I was the loud, outspoken, direct, <laughs> right? But the reaction to that in a corporate space was very, mm, you're a little intense. People are yeah. not always comfortable with you. And I'm like, I'm sorry, is my honesty off-putting? Is it my directness? I'm emulating the leaders in your company. Yeah. Who are all men. I'm emulated that. I'm emulating that behavior. So what uh, about it coming from mm -hmm. me is wrong? Is yes. it because I'm a woman? And this began a bigger conversation because bigger conversation. I don't think that they necessarily thought about it in that way. No, I don't believe that they were deliberately trying to be like, you are not a leader because you're a woman. I think that they actually truly believed they were supporting me in my leadership journey. And I loved the job, loved it loved it. It helped me find a perfect marriage between the coaching aspect, which I loved my theater degree and <laughs> <laughs> so that performative stuff, but also the creativity to build curriculum and help people understand things that are difficult to understand. Yeah. Right. And I was passionate and that passion was always mistaken for intensity or but isn't that what we're all looking for is passion? Yeah. And I, I, you know, just to comment on that this year, out of all years, I've been getting the most requests for women empowerment, the power of women. Um, and I've been doing, you know, these events, especially during, you know, women's um, history month. Yeah. Same. And, you know, a lot, they invite everybody. So people who identify as women, people who identify as male, they're all, everybody's invited. Um and everything in between. And um, what's interesting is I did one workshop where it was just women only, people who identify as women only. Yep. 
oh my goodness, did I realize the work we need to do in this space? Yeah. And I've done, I've done a lot of research this last year because men and mental health is also a big passion of mine because I yeah. lost my side and I always think, God, if he actually got help yeah, at the point of empathy with him, like how, how troubled, how gone, far gone was your mental yeah. state to do that? And so it's really the marrying of, of, you know, women being sitting in their power more, yeah, you know, owning their voice more, going against the grain more, and really acting like how men do in the workplace, um, owning it. Or also- us reframing, not to interrupt, but all, us reframing women-centric approaches to things as also leadership. As- Exactly. And so, you know, compassion, and you see it now in the Harvard Business Review and all that, uh, New York Times, compassionate leadership, yes. vulnerable leadership, all the things that women would tend to suppress. Now it's the superpower. Yeah. Now it's the superpower. And I, I saw it with the last corporate team, you know, we, we had, you know, I worked in startup and we were in 23 countries and Canada was the, the leading country. And I, I believe a lot of that is because I just really cared about my team. Yeah. I knew everything on their personal lives. I knew what they were motivated by some my money, some by title, but like when we connect as humans with people, you know, they're going to perform differently. And when I did management training, you know, a long time ago, one of the quotes was your manager is the lens through which you're viewing the world. And so if you're, or you're doing your role, you know, so if you're a manager that cares about them, and this is all the things that, you know, the softer skills that women bring to the workplace that enhance productivity. Yes you know, um, you know, how, how, how hard people are working or how much they want to work for the company. So yes, you're right. It is about like non-conforming being who you are, owning who you are, letting go of the shoulds. But I also think there's a lot, lot of work to do, um, for males to let go of the unconscious bias. Yes. You know, one woman sitting around the boardroom table subconsciously, oh, that's the mom. Oh, she's probably got to leave at five. Or, you know, you go to the work party and you get asked, oh, who's watching the kids tonight? Yeah. Who's asking the dad? No one's asking the dad that question. No. It's just it's so heavy, the unconscious bias. Um, And it's infuriating as a woman to walk through that space. I mean, I have this conversation with my partner a lot where I'll say, You have no idea the difference between how I'm treated going through the world versus how you're treated going through the world. And I never expect you to understand because how could you? You've not lived it. Yes. Just like, I don't understand how, say, a person of color experiences the world. I don't yeah. experience it that way. Right. Yeah. There's I, so many little nuances, you know, even my hair, like it took me till 38 to wear my hair curly. I was, I was white conforming like all through and, I, and it enrages me um, because, you know, in, in my twenties, it was like straight hair, which took me an hour to get straight. Ugh, so much work. Blonde, blonde highlights, green contacts. You know, and suddenly I started wearing curly hair in the pandemic because I'm like, I'm not going to bother straightening it. And everyone's like, you have curly hair. Oh my God, your hair is so me. And I just suppressed, you know, the little things like that, that yeah, people just don't, you know, if you're, if you're not having to live in that world, you, you, you have no idea. And I think it is, it is on both parties to step up, but especially as a type A woman, you're having to work. And I had a white male say this to me, women have to work 10 times harder just to be heard. And I'm like, thank you for being so woke. But you know, yeah, it's no, it gets to you. No wonder there's imposter syndrome and all that because like we're fighting uphill and no wonder we're exhausted. Like, can I just, I want to just like everyone listening. 
I know you're exhausted. I know I am. We, we all are right. The other thing is, is when we're super type A, we feel like we carry this all by ourselves. There's so many of us out there. Put it down for a minute. Put it down, rest, take a week off, go to Hawaii, bitch. Like, right. And, and, and this is the thing with women too, if they have families, you know, and I heard a, a lot of this in the workshop, it's like, they're earning the same as their partner or even sometimes more, but at home it's not 50, 50. They're still, you know, when we were working from home through the pandemic, having kids through virtual school, all that craziness, the kid runs to dad. I'm in a meeting, runs to mom. I'm in a meeting too, but yeah. somehow mom ends up feeling guilty. And, you know, so it's, it's the burden that we carry at work. It's the burden that we carry at home. And then we can't, you know, I did a workshop with Canadian tire a while ago and and the woman who introduced me said, you know, there's work and there's home and there's you. Yeah. And I loved that. I was like, yeah, let's make space for you. Yeah. Take a fucking week off and go to Hawaii. And I tell my clients all the time, relaxing is productive. Yeah. I tell them, have a glass of wine, do what you need to in the evening, watch the Netflix, activate that parasympathetic nervous system, because you're going to be so much more calm. Yes. And then don't check your email before bed. Go to bed with that peaceful state of mind. Yeah. And how efficient you are the next day versus, oh my God, I got to send this email. I got to do this. I got to do that. No wonder our, yeah. the sympathetic nervous system was built for be- us being chased by saber tooth tigers back in the day. So we could defend our lives. Not yes. for when we email, not no, for when we not for email, please. <laughs> email you know? is my least favorite. When I worked in corporate, if I took one day off one day, I would come back to 12 hundred emails because I bridged sales and HR, right? Everything from sales and marketing, everything from HR came into my inbox. Wow. So 1200 emails a day. And sometimes I hear someone say something in a corporate space where they're like, Oh, I hate having meetings. Can it just be done with an email? And I'm like, yeah, okay. Sometimes I hear you. I hear you. But also at this point, email to me is just noise. Yeah. And so, there was, um, I talked about this in the book, the woman by the name of Linda stone, and she coined the term email apnea. We actually suspend our breathing when we open our inbox, like that's how fucking stressed out we've become. How awful is that? Like we can't, you know, like our lives are threatened. Like this is just, it's, it's gone way too far. Yeah. It's gone the type A is like, yes, put that backpack down. The world is not going to end. If you do, you are going to be a better partner, mother, daughter, whatever it is, you know, you take time for you. And I ever, I'll never forget this. One of my, one of my meditations teacher a couple of years ago said to me, you know, Nina, if you don't unconditionally love yourself, you're not going to have the capacity to unconditionally love others. And I thought, Oh, that's bullshit. Like I, you know, I know I need more self-love, but I love some. And then I thought of it and it's like that whole very simple analogy. If your cup is not full and you're running on empty, your love or your work or what you put out there, that's going to come from a place of exhaustion of expectation, of obligation. Yeah. And you're going to you want to be in a place where you're wanting to give love, not having to give. And love. I think this is actually such a great point because the temperament of the super type A woman 
holds that responsibility as her top value. I am responsible right. and I belong here. And that sense of belonging and that resp responsibility is what she frames her whole world around. But what I think we keep forgetting is that sense of responsibility and that sense of belonging to ourselves. Absolutely. And we feel guilty. For <laughs> I've had to work with so many, rid the guilt. I think that's a tip in the book is like, ditch the fucking guilt. Yes. Like, because it's, because what you're doing is you're filling your cup. So when you show up to work the next day, when you have your next interaction with your partner or your child, you're in a good place. You're yeah. not pissed off. You're not exhausted. You're not anxious. You're in a good freaking place. And guess what I did for Mother's Day is I went and booked myself a hotel. Yep. <laughs> a day at the spa. And I'm like, I'm going to take a time. And I've never done that. I've never, oh, the little arguments we've had over mother. I've never done that. So this year I'm like, you know what? I'm filling my cup. Good for and you. I don't feel an ounce guilt about it. And I know it's going to serve me. Yeah. Well, it's going to serve them well. It's going to serve my work well. And we have to stop feeling guilty for yeah. two minutes. I spent almost all of last week doing stuff like that. It was my birthday last week. Oh, so thank you. So I was like, I'm going to spend the day at the spa. I'm going to have a facial. I want a 90 minute massage. I'm going to like find the balance, do the things for yourself. I sent myself flowers and I put the note on oh, it. You, you deserve joy. I love it. I <laughs> love it. Oh, I love it. I was there like, you, you know what? You got to just, you have to treat yourself as you want others to treat you. Right. Yes. And, and, and you have, like, I give so much. I give. I'm also a really big birthday person. Anybody who follows me personally on, on Instagram, um, they'll know I do birthday shout outs to all my girls. Like. Aww. And I mean, full page, this is why you're so wonderful. Because Aww. for me, you need to celebrate you. I want people to celebrate themselves. I need them to see what other people see. Yeah. It, yeah. And that's the thing we have, you know, one of my workshops, when I do workshops on, on self-love or imposter syndrome, one of the activities is I have people right out. And this is why I'm like, I'm not doing keynotes. I don't want to be talking yet. I want to do a workshop. I want people to, because yes. it's so subtle, right? They have to internalize it and I'm not going to internalize it with me just talking. So I have people write out, what are your most negative or self-deprecating thoughts? And some of them write them and then they're kind of shocked. They're like, I can't believe I say this to my, some, something about writing it down, even though it's going on in your head, something about writing it down and seeing it makes all the difference. And then, you know, if I have more time in the workshop, I'll say Look at that list and for a minute, pretend you're someone who unconditionally loves you, your partner, your parents, yep. whatever. Look at that list and be like, oh yeah, that describes her perfectly. She is not good enough for, no, no. And everybody starts laughing and I'm like, so why are you viewing yourself? Yeah. That we have to be our own best friend. You. And then the mind, there is a very, um, I usually don't go into like the, you know, the very philosophical parts of ancient wisdom that I studied, but I did study a lot of different texts like that were written pre-religion, like 10,000 years ago yeah. in, in verse form. Anyway, there's this one verse that says your mind can be your 
best friend or your worst enemy. Yeah. And 80%, this is science, 80% of our thoughts are said to be negative or self-deprecating. Yeah. So start to get, be gentle and kind and compassionate get your mind working for you. Not this constant fight of, like you said, the the kid with the straw throwing the spitball, like we can, we can train it. Yes. We We can train it. And think about, you know, think about what you feel in your body. If someone says something negative about your best friend in the whole world, like think about how that, how ferociously you stand up to say, I beg your fucking pardon. What did you just say? Where is that passion and, and protection for you? Yes. You have to. And it's funny because I think, especially as women, we have been taught societally and environmentally and sociologically for centuries that it's not proper to do that for yourself. It's not proper to be confident and outspoken. It's not proper. You know what? Fuck proper. I'm sorry, but let's focus on positive mental health and how we're going to get to that place. And how we're going to get to that place is protecting ourselves with the same level of love and ferocity that we would our partner or our children or our best friends. Yes. What we have learned either through society or, you know, generate generational trauma. It's like in our DNA, sacrifice, you know, uh, tolerance, um, you know, service, like it's, it's, you know, I saw my mom go through 22 years of an abusive marriage, you know, and I always think I wouldn't, that happened to me for five minutes. I'd be out of there, you know, 22 years. And she was the corporate executive. Like she had, yeah. you know, she was an independent woman. She was very, you know, had a very boisterous personality, but still, you know, and it's like, it's time. It's time yeah. that women are advocating for themselves and, and break this generational trauma. Yeah. And it's, it's now getting to the point. I actually did a talk over international women's day where we talked about, I guess the theme this year was um, embrace equity, but we talked about equity, but it's a step beyond that. I, I, I talked about equity because that was the, the topic at hand, but I said, it's actually justice though, that we're seeking. We're seeking the step beyond equity, which is justice. We're, We're seeking that space where it's like, look, this has all been unfair for far too long. Yeah. So there's equity, but there's also, there's some rebalancing of the scales that needs to happen here. It's time. Right. And so it's going to take work. And would I love to see it in my generation? Yes. That'd be incredible. Do I think that's going to happen? No, I don't. Honestly, truthfully, I mean, we just rolled back Roe versus Wade. So there's just no way in my generation we're seeing this. But I have so much hope for the future generations. And my mother literally on her deathbed said that she was like, you know what, I have so much hope. She was a social worker, a feminist and activist. And she's like the next generation, they take no shit. They are not here for this. Wow. And look at you, like speaking her, her truth, right? Like that legacy and doing it for, for the, and I do, I see with Gen, Gen Z or even like, you know, younger millennial millennials, cause I do mindful coaching, you know, for some of my clients and 
you know, the younger males, people who identify as they're so much more open. Yeah. And they understand and because they're growing up in understanding these very toxic and, and all unhealthy patterns. And I keep going back to, yes, it's on the onus of the male, you know, the males to, to realize that the entire world is built and set up for them, for them. Yeah. come into the workplace the history is men provide and women like you know leave it to be birth. like women women were home like homemaking and da, da, da. so when you see a woman in the workplace honor her as a woman in the workplace yeah. not a mom that probably has a husband who is making more than like whatever subconscious and these are not bad people no they're not bad. it's just it's so, they it's haven't so lived the reality that we live and right. this is the conversation we have constantly is we all live different realities and it doesn't make any of our realities less true, yes. right? But our experiences inform what we know and who we are. And if we don't experience a conversation with people who are other from us, if we are not interacting with people who are other from us, if we're not open-minded enough to have conversations with people who are other from us, that's like how we destroy ourselves. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. I mean, I am probably as left as they come, but I will sit at my dinner table with anyone and have an open and honest conversation with anyone Yeah. with the goal of understanding right if you're not going to come for understanding then like please do not come you're not grace my doorstep but if you're here to have a conversation that's open and understanding i'm here for it yeah and there's a lot to learn and again on all sides there's yeah yeah right on all sides there are things that i i don't know people's experiences i don't know people people's life right yeah and we just become richer humans when we can come from a place of empathy and understanding a hundred percent so my last question for you in this corporate world that you were once a part of that I was once a part of that we've all been a part of at some point what are we doing that is detrimental to our mental health how can we shift these changes Nina yeah that's a really great question and we're doing a lot that is detrimental to our mental health. And I feel like since the pandemic, it's gotten worse. We are hyper-connected. Everybody has everybody's cell phone numbers. Before it was, you know, meetings or email. Now it's like, we're chatting on teams. We're texting each other. We're disrupting boundaries. Um, Constantly up in my business. Up in my grill, you know, weekend emailing and texting, evenings, like it's shocking me. Yeah. My boss emailed, you know, sent me a text at nine o'clock on Friday and I should, you know, we are doing so much that is detrimental to our, our mental health. Um, and I'm glad to see, you know, I've seen it in my own journey, how much companies are starting to wake up and take accountability for it. Um, but I really think it comes top down yeah. from what I've seen, you know, the, the working culture and whatnot, it's really hard to push bottom up. If you have yeah. boundaries, it's hard to push bottom up. So the leaders who are, who are listening, it's like, you know, implement boundaries around tech, around working hours. Um, flexibility is yeah. important to people. Um, but you know, we're, we're finally bringing mental health 
into the workplace and addressing it and taking the barriers down. Like my goal is take the walls down. Yeah. Gosh, we took work home for years and years and time to bring, you know, home into, and that it's okay. Yeah. Um, we're not being, you know, vulnerable enough. Uh, we're not asking the right questions as it's all about like the PL and this and that. Have you ever paused? You know, when I, when I was a leader every quarter, I would, I would meet with all of my direct reports and say, I don't want to hear about the numbers. I don't want to hear about the business. How are you doing? Yeah. What's going on? Like, are you challenged? Like we'd have the work. Are you challenged at work? Do you feel like you love what you do? Da, da. And then also how are things at home? No obligation yeah. to share anything you want. How are they, you know, um, just checking in people yeah. want to feel, people want to feel heard. Um, but mental health, when we're going and going and going and going, and we're trying to crack these numbers and so people are hitting burnout. Yeah. It's not healthy. And like that's, what's most important, but from a bit, businesses are losing 300 billion annually. From turnover, to, like turnover and mental health. People are taking yeah. long. So you don't, you don't address that right away. Guess what? From a business perspective, you're going to lose someone. Then you're yeah. going to have to hire someone. Then you have to train someone. I mean, there is so much with mental health that there's so much opportunity in the And there's a culture, I think, too, in, in sales and marketing, especially. That was my experience where, you know, we placate it with unhealthy habits, too. Like, oh, we'll throw a whole bunch of booze at you to keep you motivated. That's right. And it's like, okay, do you know many recovering alcoholics I have had to manage in that space wow. who wow. were like, I don't feel like being at work is a safe place. Wow. Yeah. And I'm like, have we ever thought about this from a point of view where, you know, you think it's nice to give someone a hundred dollar LCBO gift card for hitting the best sales of the day or whatever. But what you right. don't know is that's not going to motivate a third of your team because they don't drink. Struggling. Yeah. And they would prefer, I love that. I love that point. I think it's so important. Um, and, and, and the Dis disconnection, the unplugging. I think some countries have it figured out better than others. It's like oh, yeah. Europe, Denmark, they just shut down for all of June or all of July. Like nobody, unless you're external, like nobody emails each other. The entire, you know, women leave, men leave at three yeah. o'clock every day, kids. Um, when they are on vacation, they unplug. And I did a workshop for a company once, and a woman was married, marketing director. She was married to a guy from, I think it was Denmark. And he, the, she was saying, you know, they take three week vacations yeah. because they feel it takes two weeks just to get into vacation mode. And then you can finally unwind in North America, other parts of the world. It's like, we can't even take a fucking day or a weekend <laughs> or a weekend, even staycation. I remember having this exact conversation with one of the VPs when I was in corporate and I said, listen, hear me out. What if to find more work-life balance, we move to a four-day on, three-day off, three-day on, four-day off schedule. You could double your workforce. You'd have more redundancy. People would be paid really well. You'd never have people out sick. People would totally be willing to fill in. And people generally would have more like work-life balance. And I remember he looked me in the face and was like, where do you think we live? Are you crazy? <laughs> And he was yep. out of the States and I laughed really hard and I was like, yeah, okay, I guess I'm selling to the wrong person. And then I was talking to the VP of people who I 
like loved, loved. We had these wonderful, I would get to work like an hour before everybody else because my days were bananas. I would have to schedule pee breaks. That's how crazy what? my days were. What's wrong with the world? I'm sorry. Right? You have to schedule a pee break? It was Come nuts. On. It was back to back to back to back and on different floors too. So you're like running upstairs to get to God. a different, it was bananas. But I'd get super early to go through my 1200 emails. And during that time would sit with the VP of people who was always super early too. And we'd have these great conversations about how we could bring more balance into a corporate space. How can we make this happen? And I'd pitch things and she's like, wouldn't that, I love that idea. I love that. But the thing is, is the realistic implementation of it, I saw the writing on the wall was never going to happen. The people who were in the CEO level, they're not going to make that shift. Right. But it'll only take a couple people in that level in large companies to make that shift and for the world to see. And now there is, there is data about all these companies who have moved to a four day work week that are as or more efficient. Of course. For five days. Of course. Know? Yeah, you wonder, yeah, because when they're working those four days, they're going to be mindful. They're going to be present. They're going to do their, they're not going to be like, oh, when we have all this extra time, it's like, we have more time to think. We have more time, you know, and the efficiency is just drawn out versus like, yeah, let me get it all done in four days. Um, so there are ways. Um, and, you know, I hope there are more and more leaders, you know, I was talking to CMO, a while back. And she goes, you know, when people check in on vacation, if one of my directors goes on vacation, I like it because it's an opportunity for me to see someone under them step up and start. So when, when they start emailing the director on vacation, they're blocking that opportunity for that person yeah. to have visibility to me and me to them, you know? So I really think it's about establishing very clear rules around balance. You know, no one's going to email after five o'clock and whole, and the leaders have to hold to it. The leaders really have, because yeah. if the leaders aren't doing it, no, nah, it's not going to happen. Just what I've seen. So there is so much opportunity for mental health. And I feel like there's this fear with the C-suite that, oh, we talk about mental health. We start putting boundaries. We're not going to get as much out of our employees. It's yeah, actually it's so much more. Yeah. So much and more. And all that that's going to come with it, the retention. I mean, where, who's counting that stuff? You know, yeah. I mean, how often have you felt so overwhelmed that you can't take another piece of information into your brain? How oh. often have you, I had this happen to me the other day. I was feeling overwhelmed. I was, I was going through all the stuff that I had coming up and I went, Oh gosh, that's a lot. And I had like a little bit of like a oh, moment. And then my husband was like, uh, he asked me like a really mundane question. Like, is this lettuce still good? Can you look at it? And I was like, what? And I literally turned around and looked at him and I'm like, the, the, like, this isn't a decision you can do. Like I just, and so. <laughs> and again, the mom thing, right? Let me, uh, cause I can't tell if there's a bruised part of the lettuce, like, like what? not incapable. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's not a cook and he's not a food. So I, I hear you, but it was one of those, like, I was already feeling super overwhelmed. He asked me that question. And I thought to myself. The first thing I thought to myself when I reacted and was like, what? I was like, okay, I need to slow it down a little bit here um, because I know I have a lot going on, but it's just going to be one foot in front of the other. I take July and August generally off of my coaching clients. 
because I have kids home and, you know, someone once said to me, you only get 18 summers with them if you're lucky. Oh my goodness. And my head was like, what? Oh, oh my gosh. Yeah. I never considered that. Wow. So true. So you have 18 summers and my son's seven. So I'm like, there's going to be a point like seven to eight years. He's going to want nothing to do with me. So yeah. let's try and fill the summers with some great experiences and some fun family time. And let's not have overworked mommy. I don't want overworked mommy throughout the summer. I want maybe a workshop here and there, mommy, but not like full blown, full schedule yeah. mommy. Yeah. So I, you know, I try and have seasons of work where like my spring and winter is relatively busy. My September to November is relatively busy, but July and August, I try and do very little. And December is almost a write-off anyways. Most people are checked out at that point. Right. So, <laughs> that's fine. Right. Holiday mode. And it's like, I'll wait till January to work on myself. But yeah, the summer months in December are, that's, it's convenient, right? Because yeah. And so, and no one wants to tent, like I do my programs over online. So no one wants to sit in front of a computer on a beautiful July afternoon, like go out and enjoy the world. The sunshine is here for you. Let it, let it soak in. Especially here where we only get like three months of time. Right. And well, that's it. We moved to cottage country. So I would be doing myself a disservice if I didn't embrace the two months that I love most in the year and was out there on the lake on my paddleboard or swimming or just embracing the beautiful, magical place I live in. That's yeah. why we're here. Yeah. I don't want to watch it from my office window. Right. Absolutely. I need to Absolutely. be in it. <laughs> right. And it's giving ourselves permission, you know, even though we're a types, yeah, we can take some time off and we're not, we're not any less, you know, impactful or efficient or powerful or all of that stuff doesn't go away. In fact, no. it only enhances. Cause I know when I work, you know, as an entrepreneur, yeah, there's some days where I'm working all day. There's some days where I'm like, you know, I've, I, you know, have meetings in the morning and then I take the half day to just do me. And I am so much more productive. Yes. I'm doing me here and there and I'm giving myself permission to. Yeah. A hundred percent. I fully binged Queen Charlotte Bridgerton last week. <laughs> as yeah. like, I need an afternoon to myself. I've been dealing yes. with vertigo. I've had it for over a month. So um, I'm trying to charge my way through the day. And then I'm like, okay, you know what? I had three clients this morning. I'm going to have lunch. I think I'm just going to watch Bridgerton. <laughs> and that's, and giving yourself permission to do that guilt-free. Guilt-free. You know, the, the income's coming in. You're doing a service to your client. You're doing what you, all the other boxes are checked. So why do we have to like, ooh? And I think that's the other thing with A-types. It's like, at some point, you know, and I don't know if I'd outwardly say this to my corporate clients, but like at some point, the money doesn't outweigh the stress, it right? Doesn't. So at some point, unless you want to, a lot of us are in, the, in corporate because of the shoulds, you know, we yeah. to business, you should have this one, you should work on the next promotion, you should be getting this, you should be getting paid this much by this age, shut it up, by this age, you should be this, you know, but what 
should is really important to us. Maybe the should that's important to us is I should spend more time with my family. I should spend more time on me. Yeah. And are we looking to that? And at some point, you know, if, if you're a corporate person by nature and I have seen them and they want to be, and they excel and they're incredible at it. And they're yeah. all like all early colleagues are not like VPs and CMOs now. Amazing. That's what you're meant to do. Own it and go for it. But if you're chugging along and there's this, you know, c- conflict between what you want to do and your, and, and the shooting, yeah. you know, at some point it's like, what is that extra $20,000? Is it really worth yeah, it really isn't. Stuff. I can tell yeah. you from experience, it's golden handcuffs, yeah. right? The golden, yeah. Wasn't it so nice to make all that money and hate my life every single day? <laughs> Not hate it, but like struggle Want- through, Want- be tired, not have time for me, not have any other focus other than work, right? I, I ran two businesses at the same time as working full time. I was out oh. of my mind, like- I was doing too much, right? So recognizing all of that, slowing it all down. I have this needlepoint thing in my front hall that says, what's the rush? Yeah. What's the rush? Where are you headed? Gosh, you know, our yeah, legacy. I'm like, I think I need to be selling coconuts on the beach in Thailand. Right? <laughs> the rush. Oh, man. Know? I We went to Hawaii for my honeymoon. We went to Maui and I never wanted to leave. And I cried so hard the day we left. Oh. I, I was like, but, but I belong on a beach forever. I- so me too. You and I, girl, I know I was in Hawaii last year and I'm like, I belong. I've been meditating on that. Talk about manifesting. I've been manifesting oceans. Oh, <laughs> I just love it. Me too. I'm actually hoping to run a retreat in the fall. I'm, I'm currently looking at Curacao. Um, oh. And it would be a week where we do the whole nine weeks of my super type A attempt at being Zen into that on week ocean. on oh, the ocean. Sounds amazing. Right? If if five people, only five people. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping it comes together the way that I'm envisioning oh, it, but I'm not settling. It has to be, it has to be perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Guess what? It's not. It's not. Uh, yeah. Uh, but uh, I'm I'm so grateful for this conversation. Yeah, thank you so much, so Nina, much. for joining us. It was a real delight. And it's I'm so glad we had a chance to connect. And I truly hope that this is not the last time we cross paths. It won't be. There's just too many synchronicities and similarities and, you know, just with your corporate background and everything. So I I love chatting with you and it won't be last so thank you I'm so honored to for you to have me on um and we will we will chat again but I hope for the listeners um you all just feel just more comfortable in your skin doing yes. you, you honoring you um and everything will will fall into place absolutely place. great advice straight from Nina <laughs> <laughs> all right we'll see you all soon and this was our season finale for season one so definitely join us for season two it is already filling up with guests and I can't wait to have you all back go back and listen to all the great advice that's come through this whole season there's so much of it I'm thinking about it constantly so I hope you guys are enjoying enjoying listening as much as I'm enjoying recording these wonderful chats have a great day thank you for listening 
like and subscribe to our channel wherever you listen to podcasts. Visit www.yorkmotivational.com for more information on my super type A attempt at being Zen, the coaching program, lead without permission, or visit our contact page to reach out to Risha. Wishing you all continued balance and fulfillment on your road to Zen.